Welcome to the VA HSRND Investigator Insights podcast series. In this episode, Query Dissemination Coordinator Diane Hanks talks with clinical psychologist and investigator Dan Blonigan of the VA Palo Alto Healthcare System about his work using moral recognition therapy to help reduce recidivism among justice-involved veterans. I wanted to start off by asking you about moral recognition, and if you could just explain what that is briefly. So uh, moral recognition therapy, or MRT, uh, it's actually an intervention that was developed, uh, I think, decades ago in uh, jails and prisons, so mm-hmm. correctional settings. It's an intervention that it's a, it's uses groups to help um, justice-involved adults uh, reduce their likelihood of uh, criminal recidivism. So that's what all focused on that, but it uses mm-hmm. um, sort of a workbook and exercises in the group format to help people mm-hmm. uh, change their uh, kind of criminal thinking styles, if you can put it that way. Is it prompting them to think about the moral um, rights and wrongs of what they did, or is it something different? It, the name would suggest that, but it's not quite like that. To understand it, the uh, term conation is an mm-hmm. old psychoanalytic term that refers oh. to um, conscious moral decision making. And so the, the way that it works, it's, it uses it's uh, called cognitive behavioral principles, mm-hmm. where it helps people sort of understand um, kind of their their automatic thoughts and how those automatic thoughts mm-hmm. can lead them towards behaviors that could get them involved in committing crimes. So I think you kind of understand that they might have a, mm-hmm. a tendency to think about uh, always uh, things that give them benefit in the moment, not thinking long term. Mm-hmm. And the intervention is all trying to use cognitive behavioral therapy to exercises using cognitive behavioral techniques to help people sort of reprogram, if you will, their those criminal thinking mm-hmm. to to sort of become more planful, more uh, thoughtful. Um, figure out uh, how to better um, engage with people in a healthy way. I wanted to ask you to tell us the purpose of the BA Mental Health Residential Rehabilitation Treatment Programs and how they were involved in your study. Yeah, so um, this is a a great question because when it comes to um, the VA providing care, the VA can't provide Mm -hmm. care uh, in settings where the other settings already have a mandate to provide care. So jails and prisons Mm -hmm. already by law required to. So um, when there's veterans in jails and prisons, the VA can't provide care in there, but when they leave the system, instructional settings, come to the VA, then they can provide care for them. And mm-hmm. we know a lot of veterans in residential programs have a long history of kind of being in jails and prisons. And that's essentially what, um, working with my partners in the Veterans Justice Programs, we talked a lot about, well, if we tried to put MRT in the VA and see if it works, where are, where are, the, where are the most justice-involved veterans that could benefit mm-hmm. from this? And it seemed like the mental health residential, residential programs probably were the place where there's, A, a lot of veterans who have a long history of um, being in and out of jail. And mm-hmm. B, also those residential programs are relatively long in the sense that they kind of tend to be three to six month programs. Mm-hmm. And we use a specific type of um, mental health residential programs called domiciliaries, mm-hmm. sort of veterans who have a history of um, mental health substance use issues and also uh, currently are struggling with housing or, and or employment. And uh, those programs in particular have a lot of veterans who have had multiple mm-hmm. history of multiple charges. And, and so uh, we figured that's a population that um, veterans will be in there for a while. Yeah. Um, and they also have a lot of them could benefit from this. 
And the fact that they'll be in there for a while is important because MRT is very intensive and long. So mm. for people to kind of get through all these steps of moral development, they have to go to many, many sessions. And wow. it takes a good amount of time to really get um, the full benefit of MRT. Can you tell us about your findings and how they might impact the adoption and sustainment of MRT for veterans at risk of criminal recidivism? So our study was designed for two things. Uh, it was an... Um, a randomized controlled trial, first mm-hmm. of all. So we wanted to see, is it effective actually for reducing recidivism right. and, and so you had a control group. control group. Um, and then the second part of the study was um, sort of to understand more qualitatively uh, why did people engage or not engage with intervention, understand issues of implementation. Mm-hmm. You know, if other VA mental health programs wanted to adopt MRT, what would you think yeah, would help that facilitates facilitate. yeah, exactly that's, yeah. that's a big part of it so it was a, it was this kind mm-hmm. of this hybrid randomized controlled trial mm-hmm. and um the the rct findings actually we, we aren't finalized yet so we actually don't yeah. uh, we don't know um quote unquote did it work um we'll probably know in a couple of months okay. but we do have our qualitative findings which is what okay. the, the talk that i'm giving um yeah. tomorrow is all about where we talk to veteran patients and then also all of the staff at the three sites the residential programs that helped us implement the, the, the MRT groups. How many patients were in each group? Oh, well, um, we, for the overall RCT, overall mm-hmm. study, we enrolled 344, I believe. And then we interviewed 36 patients for our more in-depth qualitative interviews. Yeah. And we tried to get people at the range of level of engagement in the, mm-hmm. in the intervention. So about um, of those 36, 12, we, we classified as low engagers that mm-hmm. went to a couple of groups. Or maybe and so not. that's it. It's not for me. Yeah, or exactly. Whatever. <laughs> and so people went to a moderate amount, maybe six yeah. to nine groups, and, and then we had a high engager group of, of uh, veteran patients that went to uh, 12 or more. And one person even, we enrolled really early um, from one of the sites, loved it so much, he went to every group we offered for over the course of like two years and oh went to 168 groups. <laughs> so we had. Is he a, teaching now? <laughs> is he like a peer specialist? Well, he essentially a yeah. peer mentor for other oh, good. in the group, which is actually how MRT yeah. is designed to be. It's designed to have people who are farther along the program or graduates yeah. come back and yeah, help yeah. other people through the program. So great. We're not great. But so we had veterans with different levels of engagement, and mm-hmm. then we had, um, those were 36 of them we interviewed. Um, and then we interviewed 13 um, staff from these residential programs. Um, oh, that's good. That were, yeah, yeah, some of the, yeah, yeah, many of whom were actually the facilitators of the groups yeah. or staff within the residential program mm-hmm. and some administrators of the programs as well. And what we learned from them is um, a few things. Uh, one, we learned that in terms of patient engagement, what was uh, the big issue that was a barrier? And not surprisingly, it was the, the length and intensity of the mm-hmm. curriculum. Mm-hmm. So most veterans, even the ones that dropped out early, a lot of them seemed to like that they got exposed to the group at least a little bit. They thought, well, this is an interesting group. They said, I'm just overwhelmed with everything else I have to do. Like, there's, yeah. a, there's just a lot of work involved here. Like, was there homework? Was there like a lot, a lot of paperwork? There's a lot of homework. Yeah. And that's the thing about MRT is that the bulk of the work is done uh, as homework in between the sessions. Uh, and so you have to have a lot of time. You have to have time. Motivation. You have time to do that. You have to do yeah. that. And these residential programs, they, they have other, there's other classes and groups that veterans have to go to as part of being in that residential program. Oh. And so a lot of veterans tell us, you know, it seems like a good, good program, but you know, I'm just overloaded with all these other yeah. requirements I already have to right. go to. So, and they would say things like, well, if MRT was a program, if that was kind of a program on its own, then maybe I would do that. Or they would say that MRT should be kind of its own program. It can't just mm-hmm. be a, a class or a group you stick into a residential program. It has to be kind of all encompassing. Yeah. And the yeah. staff would say the same thing. They said that, 
Yeah, MRT, it was hard. It was just so intensive and so long for a lot of our um, veterans that we would have to completely restructure our program to really do it justice. Mm-hmm. So that, that told us, and it wasn't surprising to us, we knew that MRT was pretty intensive and that uh, came through in the patient and the uh, right. staff interviews. So we learned that, but we also learned that in terms of what would facilitate adoption, um, mm-hmm. and this is a question I had going to the study was, would staff feel like this is something they should be doing, um, or would they feel like these kind of MRT groups are already redundant with what they're already mm-hmm. doing in the programming? And surprisingly, maybe not surprisingly, but an uh, interesting thing was that the patients and staff, uh, a lot of them felt that the groups were actually filled a, a, a nice niche. Oh. They felt that it actually complemented what the programs were already doing in terms yeah. of visual care, but it, it had this kind of incremental benefit. It was yeah. a unique thing that, that wasn't the same as other groups are already doing. It was filling a gap for a lot of the veterans that were mm-hmm. justice involved and had been in and out of prison. They felt like there's nothing like this that we already have in our program. So this is a unique thing that mm-hmm. we would like to do. And many of the programs, the, the three sites at least that we had in our studies that they, after the study, ended, they said that we planned to try to you know, have these groups as a regular part of our program yeah. going forward if we can figure out how to fit it in. Yeah. So there's a lot of interest there. So I think that was something that was um, encouraging to us in the sense that mm-hmm. uh, people um, didn't think that the, or thought that there was a place for this uh, in other programs. And part of that too was people thought in terms of if you, if you want to adopt it VA wide mm-hmm. or if I have other registered programs adopt it it's good to make sure you're clear to them that there's benefits to the patients beyond just recidivism reduction. Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, they yeah. said, that, right. you know, to, to us initially, uh, wasn't, so staff would say it wasn't as clear kind of what MRT could all benefit, how it could benefit our patients, but it benefits them in a lot of different ways. That's not just reducing the risk of mm-hmm. crime. And the patients would say the same thing. And they said that it's important to kind of message that to the patients mm-hmm. um, early on when they first start the groups of why they might want to take part in the groups. And they also staff also said that it's important for us to make sure that we communicate that or that that any sites taking up MRT could communicate mm-hmm. that to other staff in the residential programs mm-hmm. to get the buy-in from them. Right. Because they said that um, you know initially they didn't have a lot of buy the, the ones who ran the groups for us were bought in, but they said there wasn't a lot of buy-in from other staff in their yeah. programs. Yeah. But then over time, when the other staff would start to better understand that oh this. It's not just a, a group for reducing crime. This group can help our veterans better be, be yeah. less impulsive and better have better relationships and help them be able to get organized enough to find the housing and, and, yeah. and yeah, find the job. Um, then they would uh, buy in more. So, mm. so that was a, an encouraging finding. And then uh, another thing I'll mention in terms of our findings was, um, well, I mentioned, I guess, earlier the issue of not just having external motivation, but also or external incentives, but also having internal incentives and yeah. being some kind of motivational interviewing type uh, thing to help veterans be able to reflect on why they might want to do this, do this, yeah. do this, and get more engaged. Um, and then I guess a final thing, or kind of a, a, a bigger finding, was that um, you know there was programs with a lot of services, but a lot of the providers we interviewed felt that. If another site took this up in terms of adop- mm-hmm. adoption sustainment, that it's good to have, it would be important to have a very, um, those programs establish a broad network of people um, across their mental health services, their mm-hmm. VA, as well as within um, uh, non-VA correctional services. So it would say things like, it's really, really important if, you, if a residential program took this up, that they partnered mm-hmm. with a veterans treatment court or they partnered with their local veterans justice outreach specialists 
to right. help have a referral stream into the program, to help have that kind of external incentive right. for the veterans to kind of at least get jump started on the on the program, and just to kind of really help better with like continuity of care as veterans mm-hmm. are coming from the um, prisons to the program, then they go to outpatient services. So that right. kind of broad network uh, seemed to be something people emphasize. Is there anything that you would like our listeners to know about the benefits or challenges of working within VA research? or working with um, veterans? Well, let's say a, a huge benefit I've experienced now being in the VA for 12 years and doing research in the VA mm-hmm. for 12 years is that, especially doing health services research in the VA, is that it's it's very much partner-based research. Mm-hmm. You're working, you're not just necessarily just coming up with your own theories and own research questions and doing them kind of in a silo. You're working uh, more often than not, closely with a partner. Do you have an operations partner? Yeah, so the Veterans Justice Program is our mm-hmm. operation partner. In fact, they're the ones who, um, they had worked with, I didn't mention this earlier, but um, MRT had been around, I guess, for decades, um, but um, the Veterans Justice Programs and the VA had partnered mm-hmm. with uh, developers of MRT, uh, Correctional Counseling Incorporated, about 10 years ago to create a veteran version of their workbook. Yeah. Try to use more veteran language right. and examples. Um, even use kind of more work, kind of recovery-oriented language that's common in VA. So I created the, the workbook called Winning the Invisible War. Uh-huh. That's the MRT curriculum for veterans. And um, so they were a big uh, proponent of MRT. They thought, well, a lot of our specialists are getting trained in this or running groups, and they mm-hmm. seem to be interested in, in this. We want to see if it works for our veterans. So I had already had a, a working relationship with, uh, with um, the national training director of the, uh, of the Veterans Justice Programs, Joel Rosenthal, and we talked a lot about his interest in MRT and testing effective for veterans. So he was a, a big supporter of this research, helped mm-hmm. help me kind of craft my thinking around it. And I guess long and short of it is that um, in the VA doing health services research, it's really nice to work that closely with an operations partner who has a priority mm-hmm. that 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 if the if you craft the research study well, can really make an impact and on that partner's initiatives and mm-hmm. maybe make a more direct impact in veteran care, or at least more quickly. Right. And I found right. that very uh, satisfying, and and, yeah. and my experiences working with uh, those partners and justice programs, yeah. as well as other VA um, partners, other services have been very rewarding. It's been a great part of it. Um, the challenge has always been, I guess, the, the timing of, mm-hmm. or I guess you'd say the pace of research relative to the pace of clinical care and operations where things move quickly. They have, you know, needs, they right. questions they have that need to get answered relatively quickly and mm-hmm. the research takes a lot of time. It takes time to get funding, it takes time to do the research well. Um, mm-hmm. so this this you know, we're we're close to have our, having our RCT findings to find out if it was effective and that answer will have come five years after our partners first asked it. And yeah. so that um, sometimes yeah. can be uh, obviously challenging for partners, but challenging for me because I, I want to give them information sooner, but right. but feel like I need the time to kind of, um, you Yeah, know, you uh, want it to be right. You want it to be right, so, yeah. But uh, yeah. oftentimes in any healthcare system, they need to take a lot mm-hmm. of time to, uh, or the a program office needs to sort of make decisions, uh, mm-hmm. do something for the veterans that they, that they serve. And so um, uh, the veterans justice programs, they actually, uh, it was a couple of years ago now, or just uh, two or three years ago, they had some um, funds they wanted to put towards uh, training or doing a larger dissemination mm-hmm. uh, and national training uh, rollout, if you will, of MRT. And they had funds to have a lot of this uh, outreach specialists on their teams at different facilities go get trained in MRT. And they encouraged other 
mental health and addiction providers at different facilities get trained in MRT. Oh. And essentially it was a, a rollout of MRT and this was, you know, two or three years ago and I remember talking to my partners being like, I think that's great. I, I, I don't have any data for you to say yeah. it's effective or not, so I hope it is. Um, although we do have data outside the VA that suggests it's promising and, and, yeah. um, and so it's not like it's uh, we're starting from scratch. Yeah. But that's kind of the thing where as a researcher I have to be comfortable with the fact that my partners are going to move forward with things before I can give them the hard data. And working with the veterans, they're wanting to work and knowing that it's part of research. It's been great. I, I can't say uh, I've experienced any... Um, particular challenges. My experience has been when I have a research study, whether it's mm-hmm. this one with MRT or another research study, mm-hmm. and I say, um, especially if I frame it as that, you know, my research, and I, I try to be honest about this, I think I'm being honest that I'm doing research study X because I think it's going to help other veterans with this, this issue. And that message seems to resonate with most of us. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, they seem to be like, okay, yeah, I want to help my fellow veterans. I, I think more than any other population I've worked with that when you talk about your research having an impact mm-hmm. on other on their fellow uh, um, veterans, that they they are really eager to to help out. If they can so yeah. I think it's because they have that family mentality. They're yeah. my brothers. They're my sisters. So I want to help. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah they, they, they think of the, the fellow service members as mm-hmm. his family. Yeah, and I think that um, they want to give back if they can. The views and opinions expressed in the preceding podcast are concerned with the scope of recently concluded or ongoing VA HSRD funded research and do not necessarily reflect current or to be implemented VA policy. To learn more about this research, visit the VA HSRD website at www.hsrd.research.va.gov. Welcome to the VA HSRD Investigator Insights Podcast Series. Welcome to the VA HSRD Investigator Insights Podcast Series. Welcome to the VA HSRD Investigator Insights Podcast Series.